0: That's Lauren.
1: And that's Lachlan.
0: And this is We Accidentally Vaporized
1: Our Podcast. Each episode, we're going to reread a chapter of Percy Jackson and the Olympians, the Lightning Thief, and talk about it.
0: It's a deep dive analysis, so it's a little bit more complex than just
1: talking about it. Okay, fine. No need to go all Daughter of Athena on me.
0: Either way, grab your nectar and ambrosia and settle in for this episode of
1: We Accidentally Vaporized Our Podcast. Hi, so this is our first episode of We Accidentally Vaporized Our Podcast. As we said in the intro, my name's Lauren, and the girl with the screwed up audio is Lachlan.
0: Thank you so much for calling me out for that.
1: I didn't ask for any of this. I know, I know. Um, I'm the one recording, so Lachlan's calling in, so that's why it sounds a little like that. But I think, you know, we'll have good content that will make up for our bad uh, technical side.
0: Yeah, and hopefully one day, you know, we'll be together again, quarantined on our beautiful campus. One day, that's actually really gross because no,
1: one day, <laughs> one day. Um, so we read the first chapter of Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Lightning Thief. Wait, is it just The Lightning Thief? When you talk about, it, do you just say The Lightning Thief, or do you say Percy Jackson and the? I Olympians? feel
0: like most people know that, like, the Lightning Thief, thief <laughs> the Lightning Thief, the Lightning Thief is. Percy Jackson like you don't have the lightning theme without Percy Jackson they are one and the same
1: spoiler alert <laughs> I mean he's not so, like, but he yes a book,
0: not as an entity
1: yes <laughs> but it's one of those things like as we were as we were like recording this episode and I was like let's just do this I'm like well do we have to specify it I'm like we kind of do yeah um so when you want to make- start Lachlan, you wanted to start off with an intro or a summary of the chapter?
0: Yeah. I was wondering though before, should we tell everyone how this came about Ooh, and we, why we decided to do this together?
1: We probably should. We probably should.
0: Yes. All right. So, because, you know, coronavirus is a thing and it really derailed, is that the right term? Derailed all of our lives in the last year? Yeah. The that's only way a, I could works. figure out, Yeah, the only way I could find to keep sane during a virtual class while I was quarantined with my entire family for a really, really hot, awful summer was to reread all of the Percy Jackson books, which I hadn't done in a really long time. I missed them a lot. And it just made me so happy. It was just such a nice break from just life and all the goings on. And then I decided to listen to a podcast that shall not be named on here. And I felt like they left out a lot of stuff I kept waiting for. Like, oh, they didn't talk about this, they didn't talk about that. I texted Lauren. I was like, I feel like I could do a better job than this. Would you want to do it with me? It was also a Friday night. I was alone in my college apartment eating mac and cheese, which I think will tell you a lot about me as a person. So that's my side of it. Lauren, do you have anything to add?
1: No. I mean, I, aside from reading this one really awesome fan fiction, which was about the characters rereading the books. Uh, and they only read up to, they only like the fan, the art author only wrote up to like the first, she got halfway through the, se- the second book. But aside from that, I haven't reread the books in a long time. I-, I love to reread books, but I just haven't reread these. And it's also because I didn't, I never owned them. Like I own almost every other book or like the first book in every other series that Rick Raiden has written. Um, and I, I I continuously reread um, Kane Chronicles, which is so underrated. But I mm-hmm. haven't reread The Lightning Thief or any of these books in this series in a while. So I thought it'd be a good experience for me um, to, like, you know, see what I've learned, see what I haven't learned, and see if I still appreciate the, you know, the the humor of it all, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. like...
0: And you were also one of the only friends that didn't feel embarrassed to bring this up to. And I appreciate <laughs> that
1: about oh, you. Thank you. Thank you and i feel like this will be i mean this is going to be interesting and fun regardless but i feel like when we were talking about the way we took our notes and like how many notes we took and like our bullet points like this is going to be very interesting because we're going to have very different things that i think we're bringing up um, mm-hmm. like i'll be like do you remember this joke i totally forgot about this joke and it just made me laugh for two minutes and you'll be like but this social issue we need to talk about yes 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 i have a lot of opinions and i hope you're ready for them yes <laughs> Um, So for this episode, we're only talking about the first chapter of the first book, Mm -hmm. um, which is coincidentally titled I Accidentally Vaporized My Pre-Algebra Teacher, which obviously we're so original, original. but so we figured this is going to be a good way. We'll start off with this and see if it works, see if it doesn't work. And maybe we'll just delete this episode and never talk about it again. But Mm -hmm. maybe it'll be posted. We'll see. All right.
0: So I guess I will kick things off with a little summary of this chapter, right? So in chapter one, we meet our protagonist and narrator, Percy Jackson. He's a 12-year-old boy attending a private school in upstate New York. We'll learn a little bit about some of the people in his life, like his favorite teacher, Mr. Brunner, who teaches
1: Latin. Wait a minute. (laughs) You pronounce it Brunner? Yeah. I've always pronounced it Brunner. Oh, God. Oh, no. (laughs) This is our first argument.
0: (laughs) Let Let us know how you pronounce it, and we'll find out. Which way we should go
1: in future episodes. I think I've listened to the po- to the, the, the uh, audiobooks, and they. I thought they said Brunner. I feel like I would have been pissed if they said Brunner. All right, All right we'll find this out I'll later. Continue. It. I'll
0: give it. It will probably slip up multiple times. I'll say about five different ways, not am self-conscious about it. But anyway, Mr. Brunner, I suppose, who teaches Latin, his best friend Grover, the bully Nancy Boba Fett, and the creepy math teacher Mrs. Dodds. The chapter is set during a school field trip to the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And during the visit, Percy has an interesting encounter with his math teacher that will change the course of his life forever. Dun dun dun.
1: Can I just start off and this is gonna be totally like off track or something, but I love Nancy Bobafit's last name, Boba <laughs> Fit Boba Fett, because it sounds like something a Pokemon. Like a Pokemon mm. and all I can picture is like some Pokemon going Bobafit.
0: Um, I, just love I do that. actually have a whole bullet point specifically about her name that I can now jump down to if we want to get into her right yes. now
1: go ahead
0: all right so I feel like you know this book was initially writ- written in 2005 which is very much the point in time and school of like either you're gonna be the bully or you're gonna be bullied Do you know what I mean it's one or the other and with the name like Nancy, and I I say Boba Fett. Are we going to have a problem here with pronouncing names on this show?
1: Every single name we're going to pronounce it differently.
0: Every name name we're going to, one of us is going to be wrong. But anyway. Do you pronounce it Zeus
1: or Zuss? Zeus. (laughs) (laughs) Who says Zuss? I was joking.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, we got that. So, Nancy Boba Fett. I feel like with that kind of name, you're going to be made fun of in school. It's just going to happen. So she chose between those two paths and decided she was going to be the bully. Do I support her for it? No, of course not. But was it also inevitable because of how school works in this country?
1: Yes. I mean, you also got to remember, she's a, um, I'm trying to like find the exact page, but she's at Yancey Academy for Troubled Kids for a reason. Mm -hmm. Um, She is a kleptomaniac. She is on this field trip. Trying And standing outside the Metropolitan Museum of Art trying to steal from people. So she it's not like she was like, oh, I'm at this school and I'm going to bully people. And no, she's a bad kid. Yeah. I mean, she's well, maybe also just really destra- a bad
0: kid, but just a kid that has been failed by society. And I do have a soapbox plan later to talk about all of this. Okay. So she's, we'll, I'm going to put a pin in that for right now.
1: She's only mentioned in these two chapters, by the way.
0: Like you know f- what I, I have a lot of thoughts about Nancy and what she represents so
1: <laughs> she's also it's all good. described as having um uh, oh freckles her freckles were orange as if somebody had spray painted her face with liquid Cheetos. Oh
0: God that image. <laughs> I must say, Rick really came hard for the descriptive imagery in this chapter because I, I have a lot of different points that I thought were really interesting. Really, but that's that's definitely one of them.
1: Oh well, yeah, I feel like that's. I feel like with a lot of these, this book, I forget how well written it is. Um, mm-hmm. Like I, I like to focus on like the characters and the humor of it and the chapter titles and like the universe that it creates, but it's also simply a well-written book um Rick does a great job of foreshadowing and stuff coming up now that's going to come up in future chapters or even future books that I always think is Mm -hmm. really fun and awesome and I always love when I reread a book and I'm like oh that's what he meant because in four chapters this is gonna happen um Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of
0: callbacks too as we move through the series that are gonna be really really fun to look back
1: on yes those are always really cool um Mm -hmm. I cannot I just just rereading just the first chapter made me excited, because it's like yeah, so much, and especially knowing that Percy goes from this twelve year old kid who's just like oh, this, not he just hates his life, and he all he wants to do is see his mom, and he's stuck at this boarding school, and he only's only got one friend, and he goes from this to the spoiler alert the the hero yeah. of Olympus. I mean, he mm-hmm. goes, he his character. I don't want to see it as a complete like 180, but he has a whole, his character grows not only throughout the series, but throughout each book and almost each chapter you can see it. And I really think Mm -hmm. that that's well done um, because I remember how I was at 12 and I wouldn't have dealt with any of this very well. And the fact that he, this character is so awesome and incredible and still has that sense of humor after everything he's been through is incredible. And I feel like I'm getting ahead of myself.
0: Oh, I feel like that was very beautifully put. And it actually plays very well into the first big thing that i wanted to talk about Woo-hoo. all right so the first section of this book we open with those iconic lines look i didn't want to be a half blood and then from there you would expect maybe okay he's probably gonna complain about his life and how terrible everything is but he doesn't i mean he from does. that line
1: to- he does a lot, like throughout the later books, but it's always in little ways, and it's always to yeah. himself. He never complains to. Uh, he never complains to like his friends. Really, he never. And yeah, I might be Oops. wrong. I haven't read these books in a while, but he's always very the type who he buries those feelings and emotions, which is a positive and a negative for him. Mm-hmm. Um. I also.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely see what you're saying there. But like the main thing that i wanted to hit with this section is that he does move away from talking about himself and focuses on you the reader he's trying to warn us and protect us for something at this point we don't know what it is we don't know what it means to be a half blood or what it is that makes being a half blood so dangerous but all he's concerned about is protecting us and that's the very first interaction we have is this selfless young boy who cares about the people around him whether or not he knows them and wants to protect the people around him yeah and that's a theme that comes up just constantly about these books is how much of a caring person he is and how much he wants to help those around him
1: fatal fatal flaw it's introduced in the very beginning spoilers but it's (laughs) i feel like river song um but it's, yeah, it's true. I mean, he he puts others before himself. Um, that's going to be a big thing that we're going to have to talk about with the third book. But mm-hmm. we're not there yet. And I feel like yeah. I, we just keep getting ahead of ourselves. But I also love this opening line of, look, I didn't want to be a half-blood, that I always thought it was like, look, I didn't choose this. And I feel like that's a constant mm-hmm. theme in Percy's life in these books about this lack of choice and this lack of control he has. He never He's never the one who actively says, okay, I'm going to do this because I want to. It's always, oh, I'm going to do this because I have to or because I want to, or because this other thing is happening or I'm going to do this or because he, it's the right thing. Exactly. He always seems like he's never making these choices for himself because he's obviously very selfless, but also he always has this, this weight on his shoulders because he doesn't have that control and this is something that he has to do 100% of the time. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and as we'll learn, it is a huge weight that is put on his shoulders at such a young age. Like, this boy is 12 years old. Do you remember how idiotic we were as 12-year-olds?
1: I'm still like, idiotic.
0: I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's- no, yeah, yeah you are. <laughs> but he's given just the weight of thousands of years, literally thousands of years of struggles that this boy just has to deal with. And so I think introducing him in this way and making him so selfless like really changes a lot and makes you want to support him from the beginning versus like your basic 12 year old boy that most people hate because they're all pretty terrible
1: exactly and it's also really interesting because like i remember reading this i don't think i read it when i was like 12 but i might have read it when i was 12 and i remember reading this when i was younger and about percy jage the first time i read it and like I was like oh cool here's this 12-year-old kid who's saving the world that's so awesome and now oh. I'm I, I I'm like I'm 19 and I'm like that's the 12-year-old kid saving the world. Yeah. It's like I have a totally different outlook on it based on my age. That Yeah, just I definitely crazy. noticed that
0: as I've gone older like so many YA books are in like that 12 13 max 16 age range of the protagonists, and when you're younger, like wow they're so cool they're out there they're doing it and now that i'm like 21 i'm like no these are these are small babies like why, where are the adults who actually need to deal with these problems these are children exactly exactly so i've got a very different opinion reading it now which is so interesting to see
1: exactly it's just so it's just crazy mm-hmm.
0: definitely so something else on this first page that i did want to point out is the immediate percy sass <laughs> which is something that is brought up a lot within the fandom
1: Persephone. and it is
0: brought up here on the first page where he's talking about yancey academy a private school for trouble kids in upstate new york am i a trouble kid yeah you could say that
1: <laughs> he <laughs> is though he admits on. it
0: mm-hmm, he does he, he admits it but you can feel the sarcasm just coming off of the page
1: he's a funny guy mm-hmm. also
0: are we are we in upstate new york like would he, would he be near us location wise if the academy
1: was a real real place i'm gonna be honest anything that's not manhattan or long island is upstate new york to me
0: well there you go We're we're in the same place guys <laughs> it's equal which just right down the road supposedly I
1: mean, it's, it's different depending on where you're from um okay. like i i have a friend from uh buffalo new york who is like no nothing's up upst- buffalo is western new york and um albany is like the start of upstate new york and then i have my cousin lives in albany and she's like no 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 albany is central new york you don't hit upstate new york mm-hmm. until you're like 2 ma- 2 hours above albany um
0: interesting meanwhile I'm from the south where if anyone talks about New York it's either the city or it doesn't exist <laughs> New York State is not a thing to people where I'm from
1: I mean it's it is weird because you've constantly assumed that New York is the city and then you mm-hmm. forget that like there's so much more to it which is just yeah it's a,
0: it's a pretty significant state there's a lot lot happening a lot of land
1: well, where is where is Rick from
0: I I have no idea. I'm
1: gonna look that up real quick. I'm I'm trying to find his like about the author, but like the book is I
0: feel like such a bad
1: fan right now. Um ah,
0: San Antonio, Texas. Oh then yeah, no, he doesn't he's know where what he's up from. New York is. But I think they lived in Boston for a while.
1: Oh well then I they don't they're not valid. About- um oh here's the about the author. Yeah, he currently lives in Boston. Ha ha! Look at me go. Which explains the Magnus Chase novels, but also Boston isn't valid. Um, <laughs> all right, moving There's on. That New Jersey coming out strong. Yes, yes. All right. Moving on. Did you have more stuff? I'm assuming you had more stuff. You had hundreds of stuff. I always
0: have more stuff. Um, Specifically, I want to talk about Mr. Brunner (laughs) and how this man keeps a collection of armor and weapons in his classroom. A classroom within a school. We've already been told teachers, quote, troubled kids.
1: Yeah, no, no.
0: That's a a bold move, sir. That's a very bold move.
1: To be to be fair, he does. In theory, he's using celestial bronze um, weapons, so they can't even hurt themselves. But yeah, there's got to be like yeah. that's like um, like a hazing thing first week of school. Whoever can break into Brunner's classroom and get a sword um, wins or something. Or like that's that, like, that's no.
0: definitely like an underground competition that's happening in the school.
1: It is one hundred percent. One hundred percent.
0: Yeah. It also made me think back to my high school days so, so long ago because we also had a middle school attached and the eighth graders every year would have a Greek and Roman festival where they would run around in these boats that they made out of paper and they would have gladiator fights. It always looked so fun. and I never got to do it because I joined after eighth grade and I will forever be saddened by that, that. I didn't get to fight a fellow eighth grader with a fake sword.
1: We went to very different schools we did not have yes. that at all
0: yes we did there'll probably be more stories from my school that will come up that'll make you all question where i went and what happened to me for four years and sometimes i question also if it was real but you know i, I made it out and that's what matters
1: i i don't know how to respond to that <laughs>
0: all right the next thing i have was grover did you have anything else you want to talk about with mr brunner first
1: um well i wanted to mention brunner and grover which was very interesting to me is that they have physical impediments in the mortal world that are that are um advantages in a way in the uh immortal in the uh greek in the in their greek Mm -hmm. lives um i will say that we may need to
0: hold off on talking about their like let's say, true forms yes. when they're revealed. Yes. But I do have a lot of thoughts about the disability part.
1: Yes, um, because I feel like that's a common theme where you have what might be considered, and uh, I, don't, I don't know how to phrase this, like a physical impediment or a uh, disability in the mortal world that's actually an advantage in the Greek world mm-hmm. that I think is a really interesting theme and goes back to uh, Rick's uh, son, which I don't know how creepy we want to be by talking about Rick's family. Um,
0: I do. that. That is also part of my whole soapbox that I had planned and written out okay. just for you.
1: So we're going to... So. We'll, we'll come back to that later because that's going to be an actual conversation for further chapters.
0: Yes. But a quick thing I did want to say while we're here is that at this point, you know, Percy still thinks everything's pretty chill, everybody's normal, and his favorite teacher is in a wheelchair and his best friend has like pretty severe mobility issues. And I just think it's really cool that those are the people that he is associating himself with. And it, again, shows his selflessness, his lack of judgment towards other people. It shows that he just cares about everyone as who they are as individuals and not worried about their physical appearances or like, oh, will people think I'm weird if I'm hanging out with people who are different from me? Like, he's all about just vibing with somebody. God, that sounds so weird to say. Um, But just, like, he doesn't let things like that influence his opinions about somebody, which, again, I think is so huge for young kids that are reading these books to see, is that people like that do exist in this world and they're normal and it's nothing to, like, look at or really think anything of.
1: Yes. And it's also interesting about the fact that, I don't know if it's in your book, but on my book on page three, where he's, like, first describing... Uh, Grover, he says that um, he must have been held back because he is the only sixth grader with acne and a beard, and how he has some kind of muscular disease in his legs. Which is interesting that I don't know if Rick just didn't want to come up with an excuse or Percy just never asked. Like he never Mm -hmm. asked, like, "Hey, what's wrong with you?" Or like, "Oh, why do you use those crushes?" Or "Why do you have a beard?" Um, Which I just think is very like Percy. Like he's like, "Ah, this is my friend."
0: Like, yeah, like he, he takes people as they are. He doesn't pry for more information. It's whatever you're willing to share, he will accept you.
1: Exactly. I think, yeah, the rest I think that's to...
0: such an important quality to see in a main character. Yes. So, in case you can't tell, we love Percy Jackson. <laughs> just a little. Just a little. Just a little. Just a little. All right. All
1: right. I feel like I have so much, but I also really don't. You know what I mean? Because I feel like it's just, it's the first chapter. There's so much here, but it's also, there isn't really a lot here, which I think is really good of uh, Rick Riordan because I, Mm -hmm. I, I'm only reading it chapter by chapter as we're going along. So that way I don't like spoil myself in a weird way. But even just looking at the chapter titles, it takes a while before like you get to the main plot. Um, Mm -hmm. It like, So I think that's very interesting because I feel like so often now in books and movies and TV shows, they're just like, okay, this happens and then you're thrown in. Um, But this is very like, okay, we're going to ease ourselves into it because it's important that you get the bulk of the information now so that way in the later books you have this payoff. Um, Yeah. And I think it really works out and you can tell that it was written specifically with the series in mind and not just with a one-off book.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like Rick definitely had a plan of where he wanted these things to go. But I think it is also good that you had this slow build-up because you do get, like you're saying, so much background information, so much like world-building that's not necessarily action-driven, but it still creates this super-rich environment, which is why 15 years later, these books are still so loved. The point where we're going to get a TV
1: show! Yes! And see- yes! And it's it's even more so interesting exciting. because so much of Percy... I mean, you you only really see these characters in the Greek world. But mm-hmm. the, the very beginning of books, and not even at the end, but on, on quests sometimes, you get to see Percy interacting with the mortal world. And I think that's always so cool, because at times you forget that not only are they fighting to save the Greek world and to save the gods and to save Camp Half-Blood, spoiler alert, but they're fighting to save the mortal world also. And I feel like you need to get mm-hmm. that reminder of that there's these people who don't know what's going on and that they're living their lives and they're good people.
0: Yeah, I think grounding it back in the real world is what helps keep Percy so relatable and such a great hero that you do wanna follow because it's not just this higher level gods and monsters thing, but he really is fighting for all the regular people also who don't necessarily know what's going on, but will still be impacted by all of this.
1: Yes, exactly. And I like that. Because he, he spent the first 12 years of his life not knowing about the Greek world at all. He spent the first 12 years of his life as a normal kid, uh, a lower class, just based off contact clues, a pretty poor kid growing up in New York City who didn't have a lot and had his mom and that's all he really never needed. And you get to see him stay humble to that by continuously going back to the mortal world. Mm-hmm. and I feel Definitely. like that Rick Rick does that very well of reminding the readers also that there's more than just Olympus at stake. I feel like we're getting a little too deep in for the first chapter.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, I mean, that's part of the problem of if you've already read these books 10 times like I have, then you're gonna have a lot of stuff that's built up over the years, yeah. and now there's microphones on my face, so I'm gonna talk about it.
1: Exactly. <laughs> but and getting back there's overlap between, like, what happens in each chapter, of course. So it's hard to, like, yeah. just only talk about something that happens in one chapter.
0: Definitely. It's, it's hard to, like, erase all of it from your mind and just focus on like, these first 14, 15 pages. Yeah. All right. But attempting to ground ourselves back in, I do want to talk about a beautiful, lovely example of Percy and Grover's friendship and the support that they have for each other. Because we're on the bus right we're going to the museum and nancy the bully is throwing wads of a peanut butter and ketchup sandwich
1: which is gross oh, in that, and of itself
0: that yes in of itself that is so gross but she's throwing pieces of the sandwich at poor grover's head and all i want to do is give grover a hug and fight this girl but anyway percy clearly feels the same because He is ready to get up and fight her even though as grover points out he's already on probation so this boy is willing to get kicked out of school to stand up for his friend right but grover holds him back and says no it's all good i can handle it i don't want you to get kicked out of school so while percy is a little bit impulsive you know he's ready to go fight some people when needed he is also still able to listen to people around them around him and take their advice and not be like completely headstrong which again good good traits here he's a good egg he's
1: a good egg is is what i'm trying to say he is and also later in the chapter um when grover when he shoves but doesn't shove nancy into the fountain grover tries to like take responsibility and be like no 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 it's me and that's showing that Grover's willing to stand up for Percy also, which I feel like we forget about in their friendship because Percy is Percy. Um, but Grover is right there with him and willing to stand up for him and mm-hmm. take blame for him because their friendship is not just a one-way street. The two of them, they really do love and care about each other. And I, mm-hmm. I I do love that their their friendship is something that stays over the course of the series.
0: They do. They have such a beautiful, beautiful friendship. And I'm glad that we'll get to celebrate it together. Yes, all right now can we talk about mrs dodds
1: so mrs dodds
0: yes i just want to talk about this description of her you ready for this yeah quote she was this little math teacher from georgia who always wore a black leather jacket even though she was 50 years old she looked mean enough to ride a harley right into your locker she had come to yancy academy halfway through the year but our last math teacher had a nervous breakdown now i know we're not just we're not supposed to like her but you have to admit that the image of an older woman driving a motorcycle down a school hallway is like pretty incredible <laughs> like she like i know we're supposed to hate her but just
1: she sounds so awesome she Maybe does. now
0: but just
1: she kind of wow. does <laughs> um though my favorite part of the description is that he knows that she's from georgia which is like did she introduce herself like my name is mrs dodds i'm from georgia no
0: no spoilers but the devil went down to georgia
1: oh i didn't even think about that holy shit, you just made everything so much better oh god (laughs) Yep.
0: and then we do have just a little bit after that description percy makes a comment about how mrs dodds isn't human and Grover, completely serious, says, you're absolutely right.
1: Yeah. That's Grover, just like, him. is <laughs> Grover, first of all, is the worst liar, as we learn in this chapter, when it's like, <laughs> Mrs. Kerr? Who, 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 who's that? I, I, I don't know, but not only that, he just, sometimes just is like, yeah, no, she's not human.
0: <laughs> it's like, not in a bad sense by any means like minor gaslighting it's like you're absolutely right she's not human but i'm not going to give you any more details that you desperately
1: need exactly exactly and also grover i mean grover's terrible about keeping his secret to the point where like he walks where it's like he can't walk but then on enchilada day he sprints to the cafeteria Like he does. I'm glad you
0: brought that up because I want us to keep a counter of the number of times that it's mentioned Grover's love for enchiladas. This is number one. Okay. All right. We'll keep a count. this is a regular thing throughout the series, reminding us of Grover's love for enchiladas. We gotta keep track of it. All right. Yes. Okay. And then, as we're exploring,
1: did they mention? I don't think they mentioned it here, but at later points, they mentioned that he's a vegetarian yes yes we have to assume that they're vegetarian enchiladas yes and they're they're gonna mention that later um yeah which i i this is gonna sound terrible but the fact that she's throwing a peanut butter and ketchup sandwich instead of like you know a ham sandwich at him is kind of nice <laughs> it's somewhat respectful exactly but like, like the, i the, don't like you as a human
0: has been that.
1: yeah it's like i don't like you as a person and i'm gonna throw a sandwich at your head but i'm not mm-hmm. gonna throw a sandwich that's uh has meat in it at your head.
0: I'm not gonna attack you with meat, which we know that you hate. Yes. <laughs> there we go. All right, so leaving Miss Dodds for the briefest of moments, there's this interesting interaction between Mr. Brunner and Percy. Yes. Where he tells Percy everything that I'm telling you is important you need to know this. This is vital. This is very important for your life. And Percy's like, this seems kind of weird, but okay. <laughs> and again, like, they're, he, Mr. Brenner and Grover are like, just giving him the barest amount of information. Like, if you were just a little bit more honest
1: with him, but, he could have been so much more prepared. But to, be, to be fair, later on, minor spoilers, they do mention that the more you know yes. as a half the more the monsters can yes. sense you or something. So I guess they're mm-hmm. trying to like keep him in the dark to protect him. But still, it's just that is true. A little bit of like, either say nothing or say it all. Don't.
0: Mhm. Yeah, it's like you don't think about it much the first time you read, but looking back on it, it's like
1: just help him out a little bit more. Well, what I what I love about the first chapter is the question of um, uh, why does this knowing that Chrono Seed is kids. Knowing Greek mythology, why does this matter in real mm-hmm. life? And that's it's something crazy because Percy's like, I don't know, and that's the honest answer because he doesn't know right then and there. And eventually, mm-hmm. knowing that Kronos ate his kids, and knowing what each monster did, or knowing how certain gods interacted, or knowing or how the, certain heroes fought and won their battles, exactly, or knowing. Exactly. Exactly. I was going to use that as an example, but no, we're going to save that for later. But knowing certain heroes' tales saves his life. Uh huh. And what's interesting is the fact that he that um, sorry. What's interesting is the way that Rick sets it up with this little innocuous question that ends up being so big later on in the books.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we're all about those little subtle things that pay off in such huge ways later on
1: exactly exactly yes because so, and then I, everything mm-hmm. ends up mattering names are important everything matters mm-hmm. knowing certain things saves your life yeah
0: hundred percent so at the end of this interaction between the two of them Percy has his first mention of ADD and dyslexia yes and this is one of the the main pillars of the whole series, and as you mentioned a little bit earlier, this is a key factor of the books and their existence because of why Rick wrote them and who he wrote them for. And he, he I mean, dedicated books to this. his son. Yeah, but, and he's published this and talked about interviews, so I feel like it's fine for us to talk about. Yes, of how his oldest son Haley himself has ADHD and dyslexia, and he struggled a lot in school and just with his own thoughts about how he saw himself and everything. And Percy Jackson started literally as a bedtime story to help his son feel brave and proud of who he is, no matter what he's going through in life. And then he thought, you know, maybe I could share this with other kids who are going through similar things. And so like what you were saying earlier is people's disabilities and challenges in these books are actually what make them strong and are helpful and bring them advantages that not just normal people but people without them wouldn't have and like we'll talk more about why his ADD and and dyslexia are important later on more specifically but these are things to not be ashamed of these are things that make you stronger and make you who you are and they should be celebrated and I think that is what draws people to these books and makes them feel empowered by them which is just such a beautiful thing
1: Yes. And I know a lot of other authors and a lot of other TV shows and books do similar things where they try to, like, I don't want to say, like, give a character a disability to give them a disability, but they'll have characters who have disabilities, and it seems like their whole character revolves around Mm -hmm. the disability, but Rick does a great job of, or even that, like, revolves around, like, their one characteristic that makes them who they are, but... (laughs) Rick does a great job of being like, no, this helps them, but they're still a person. They're not just yeah. this disability. They're not just this or that. They are a whole person. And
0: or it's about how does this disability, how do they overcome their disability or work through it and past it? Whereas this is, no, I'm going to utilize this to make myself better. I'm not trying to work around it.
1: Exactly. And, mm-hmm. I mean, another, another great example of that is... um oh, uh, uh, Toph in um, Avatar: The Last Airbender. That uh-huh. she's she's blind. Uh, I didn't say her name right. That would be terrible if I didn't say her name. Toph. Right. yeah <laughs> Um, I'm sorry. My why would, one of my D and D. One of the NPCs is named Thoth. So I'm like, I have too many names <laughs> to remember, but Toph. <laughs> <laughs> the Avatar, the last Airbender character, whose name I definitely know. Um, she's blind, but she mm-hmm. is stronger because of that. She yeah, is, she is
0: able to develop a whole new style of bending because
1: of her blindness. She's and she's constantly underestimated, but she is the strongest mm-hmm. Earthbender in at least the original series, if not. Yeah, Korra. I just haven't seen uh, the 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 secondary series yet. Yeah. So it's just interesting how, and it's in kids shows also. What are what are marketed okay. as kids shows and books and kids books? Um, because whenever I look for Percy Jackson books, they're always in the kids section and not in the YA section.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah, they are. It's interesting. Like All if right. To, uh, so if you go to the copyright page. They usually say like who it's for, but um or, like the genre or something. But it does not here. Because now I need it to say that, and it's not saying it.
0: I mean, the back of my book says paperbacks for children, so
1: Um, read into that how you will. Yes. And one of the things I always forget about this is that it's technically published by Disney. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I I always forget, but which I always think is interesting. And I don't know if the original, original books, or if they just acquired it, but it's published by Disney, which is very, um, which is great. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. It's in good hands now.
1: Yeah. Well, we, we, we trust Disney with some stuff.
0: <laughs> yes. All right. So, the next thing I want to talk about is, and you mentioned a little bit earlier, is so we have a brief glimpse of what is to come for Percy, where they're sitting outside at the fountain, and Grover's being bullied once again by Nancy. Percy isn't having it. And all of a sudden, it's described that the water grabs her but maybe he just pushed her into the water. No one's really sure but this this seems a little sus. Something Something's going on here we're not quite sure what and Percy's trying to explain away but something is definitely up.
1: Yes. In and addition it's, to this It's mm-hmm. it's a good foreshadowing and it gives a little bit like if you were looking for it you'd be like oh okay we get it. But if you're not looking mm-hmm. for it it's like oh cool he got angry and he pushed a girl into the fountain for, and he stood up for his best friend um Mm -hmm. so it does a great job of that um and it's one of those like i don't i don't think i picked that up the first time around um i was also i think 12 the first time i read these books (laughs) but like reading it now it's like oh it's so obvious but it's also not you know Mm
0: -hmm. yeah the way the way he wrote it was very good of we think something's going on here but we're not really sure we want to believe that this is all normal but as we'll learn very very shortly and I also no, this
1: is horrible. I love the I love the imagery of when he doesn't push her in. He hears like this uh, roaring in his ears. Mm-hmm. Um, like yes. and, and the specific phrasing is a wave roared in my ears. And he does that throughout the mm-hmm. books where it's like he gives like water imagery when he doesn't have to to make it like ho-ho, look at this. Um. Yep,
0: just planting those seeds.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: Yep. So then once this happened, we get a little bit more suspicious suspicious language, that's a hard word to say, where Mrs. Dodds materialized next to us. Didn't walk up. She materialized. And again, using those...
1: Which we can use in other situations, but it's a little little sus. It's again, using those key words that you might not Mm -hmm. pick up, but if you do pick up, it makes the writing so much better.
0: Yep. And so she decides she's going to pull Percy back into the museum. They're going to have a talk because how dare you push a girl into a fountain even if she was bullying your best friend. And we get the similar thing again where he turns away from her and looks back. Suddenly she's all the way top of the stairs. Well, like, how could she have gotten up there that fast? Blinks for a second. All of a sudden she's all the way in the museum. Like, how did she move around so quickly? This is all getting very, very spooky.
1: And I love the way... Percy describes him seeing it with, like, a, a piece of the puzzle, fell out of the universe, and he just missed it. Because um, it shows that this is something he's been dealing with his whole life. This mm-hmm. is something that happens, and he just sort of accepts it and brushes it aside and says, okay, this this happened. Um, yep. Because... Yeah, remember, just because Percy is only now learning about the Greek universe, the Greek universe has existed around him. And just because he's now learning how and why he has ADHD and dyslexia, that has existed for him as a person. So he's had to deal with it.
0: Yeah. And I also love that nothing is revealed all at once. He's slowly falling into this world. He's slowly realizing what's going on and we're discovering it with him. So I think it's a much easier transition for the reader, but it's also more... Realistic of he's not suddenly going to wake up one day and everything is different. He's going to slowly figure out all of these things, which is a really cool way to do it.
1: Which is also interesting because even though everything is different, nothing is different because Mm -hmm. everything's been the same this whole time. Yeah, now
0: he's just aware of it in a way that he wasn't before. All right. So we have another bit of descriptive imagery that I would love to read to you if you were interested. Yes. All right. And this is Mrs. Dodd's transformation. Her eyes began to glow like barbecue coals. Her fingers stretched, turning into talons. Her jacket melted into large leathery wings. She wasn't human. She was a shriveled hag with bat wings and claws and a mouth full of yellow fangs. And she was about to slice me to ribbons. Just full stop. Big yikes, things getting serious, it's about to go down.
1: And this is, this is, I mean, it's little revealed it's not, but it, this is the first monster that he's seeing, that he's mm-hmm. interacting with, and that's trying to kill him, and it's, and we don't know what it is, but just the image of it is hella scary and enough to give you nightmares. Yes!
0: god i think the first time i read this was like at night i distinctly remember one of my older friends telling me like this is your first time reading these books don't read them at night they're like they're kind of scary because you're like really young like no i'm gonna do it anyway i was like
1: oh my god what is happening yes and i and i love that it's not sugar-coated because and he says it at the very beginning being a half-blood can get you killed and what this is showing here that he isn't lying um Everything you're not just just because you're a 12-year-old kid and you don't know anything about the world doesn't mean that the Greek universe is gonna be uh go easy on you or be like, no, let's let's ease image. into it. Let's show, like, you know, a nice little uh I don't even know what a nice little monster would be, but you get <laughs> this thing, this Mrs. Dodds coming at you, ready to kill you with a murderous look in her eyes, and it's amazing, and I love it. I also love how when Mrs. Dodds is, like, sort of saying, but not saying that, like, it's his fault and he's doing something and she wants something back, um, he goes, um, his first thought is, like, oh, my gosh, they figured out that I have an illegal stash of candy that I've been selling to other kids out of my dorm room. (laughs) which. And I feel like this has
0: to be either... He's trying to be funny here, or his mind is just fully not working because no, your teacher I think...
1: just turned into a demon. No, and no, you're no, that was about your illegal candy that stuff. that that took place right before she turned into the demon when she was still being all vague and like. Ooh, yeah. We should cut that. You we should. Get cut that. I don't want to sound dumb. We're gonna Sorry. cut that. No, no, no. We're leaving that. Um, but I, <laughs> so but me. I love that. We always forget that Percy is. He's actually pretty smart. He's he's. I like to say it like I'm an idiot, but I'm not stupid. Like he's an idiot, but he's not stupid. Mm-hmm. He's actually pretty intelligent sometimes. And like the fact that he's been running an illegal candy selling ring out of his dorm room <laughs> to me is the funniest oh. thing ever. And it once again rings back brings back to the fact that he isn't that well off. So he's been trying to figure out how to make money wherever he can. Mm-hmm. So he yeah. figures, oh, I'm gonna sell candy out of my dorm room. Um mm-hmm. And I also love his other thought is like, what if they figured out that I got my essay on Tom Sawyer for the Internet and now they're going to make me read the book? Um, <laughs> and I, I also love this little side of like someone's trying to kill Percy and he's having these weird thoughts and that stays with him forever. And I think they explain it into the book at one point where that's like his ADHD, where it's like he just latches on to a random thought. He his mind <laughs> is elsewhere and then it's back. Um, and I don't know how. I, I, without, I don't know how true that is to ADHD, but I do that sometimes where I'm in a situation and all of a sudden I zone out and all of a sudden I look back and I'm like, w- what's happening now? Um, and that's very realistic. And that's something I did a lot when I was a kid. So that's something very realistic to a 12 year old boy, in my opinion, which I always liked.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one final note, if we could find a way to fit this in that I have about- We, got, we got a little bit of time Her left. transformation and him like realizing that this is a very dangerous, very terrifying situation is I think that's reflective of what young children in difficult situations are going through where things aren't sugar-coated for them in the way that kids that may be more well-off are. Like he is facing harsh realities and has his whole life and nothing, he's not protected from anything. He hasn't, to some extent his mom protects him, but there are a lot of really difficult things that he's already gone through up to this point. He hasn't, life hasn't been sugar-coated for him. And there are so many children that do face that every day. And it's something that if we want to be able to help other people, whatever that may mean for you, you have to understand the harsh realities that people often face from a very, very young age. So, that's another part of his character development and building is showing that he is able to handle these things as well as he can because he hasn't been protected from everything in life the way some other people may have.
1: Yes, which is incredible um the way that rick sets it up and i mm-hmm. think that's a very good job of setting up the rest of the universe on the rest of the series about how um you're not just going to be sugar-coated because your kids like this is real i mean okay obviously it's not real but like there are parts of it that are very real and something that mm-hmm. people actually go through and i think rick does a great job of um not sugar-coating it but not like Just making it all dark and depressing. Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah, he definitely finds a good balance between it being fun while still dealing with some very real things. Yes, yes.
1: Um, So before we end the episode, let's talk about the very last thing that happens. He kills Mrs. Dodds, which we're going to brush over. Um, (laughs) And then...
0: I would just like to point out that... Mr. Bunner comes in, throws a sword at a 12-year-old, and leaves him alone.
1: Well, no, <laughs> okay. He yells, what ho? And throws what the ho? sword. <laughs> Which he never says ever again in the whole series. No, never I, again. And it's, it's like something that I wish. In the first chapter. I wish that like they were in like the final battle and it's just like, what ho? Um, yeah, I just just some that sort of callback to that would have been incredible. It would have been. Um. But I think we need to talk about or maybe, maybe we can leave it for the next chapter. But, like, this chapter sets it up with, he just went through just this traumatic thing, and then all maybe. of a sudden, he goes back and he's like, what the fuck happened? He doesn't say that. But he's like, where's Mrs. Dodds? And everyone else is like, who the frick is Mrs. Dodds?
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, he goes up to Mr runner and he's like oh thanks for returning my pen you each bring your own utensil not utensils writing utensils next time and percy asks him about mrs dodds he's like there's no mrs dodds on this trip as far as i know there's never been a mrs dodds at yancey academy and that's like just that's such a huge bomb to drop on him yeah just like you said, he went through this whole very traumatic thing and you're just like it was actually nothing happened exactly it's so Mm -hmm. terrible and yes. i feel and that is something that so many people go through where you go through something awful and everyone acts like it wasn't a big deal or it was all in your head and like that's such a difficult
1: difficult thing to go through i know and that is and eventually they have to deal with that and that becomes a bigger thing in the next mm-hmm. chapter but like to me as like a child reading that for the first time mm-hmm. and that's how you end the first chapter and it's like what what do you mean there's no mrs dodds and i i just (laughs) loved that i thought that was amazing
0: yeah but i think this is all another subtle way whether rickman's or not we could be going all eighth grade english teacher reading into it here that is another big issue that so many people go through of you deal with something really really terrible and no one around you understands or believes something that i personally have gone through and it's awful it's yeah. really awful, and this is this little subtle thing, and it will be resolved, but just the agony and struggle that Percy is about to go through for the next several weeks is something that I really, really resonate that really it, resonates with me.
1: Especially when so, you re- remember that this chapter takes place in I think they mentioned like it was May when they were on the field trip. Um, it is yes, it was May, May that they went on the field trip, and then they don't know it's winter break. No, no, no. Because he said he hadn't seen his mom since winter break, um, but things started going really bad for me last May when our sixth grade class took a field trip to Manhattan.
0: Huh. Ha-ha. I'm suddenly very confused by this. By these books.
1: Sorry, um, but I'm like that honest. takes place in May, <laughs> and then even if it takes place at the end of May, he has almost the entire month of June before school ends. Mm-hmm. So that's and. That's about 30 days, that's at least over 30-something days, probably, of mm-hmm. the end of May, and then June, and then weekends, and you're at a boarding school, and these are your people, and you're saying this, and you have to deal with it. And that's something really traumatic.
0: hmm Yeah, and he's going through... Well, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold that. I'm gonna save my thoughts on some of that for for next time. Because
1: you know, this, this is this is something that now, is a big part can, of next chapter. I'm
0: gonna have a big rant for for next time. I can I can feel it coming. I'm taking notes after this.
1: All right, all right. Well, then, <laughs> then this seems like a good a spot to end this episode, <laughs> our very first episode, um, which I think we did a really good job on. Yeah, I mean, I think I, we got. I'm off- quite pleased. I, I think this was fun. I hope you had fun. I had fun. I like talking about this stuff. And it was great to. I feel like we mixed a good bit of like you know fun stuff and like really serious stuff. <laughs> yeah,
0: these books can get pretty heavy if you lo- look just a little bit below the surface. Exactly. So. I Especially just hope as person grows up. So stay tuned.
1: Oh yeah, I just hope, as you said, we don't come across as like um, eighth grade English teacher. Like, well, why did Piggy and Lord of the Flies have glasses? Well, because mm-hmm. he was a nerd and needed glasses. Well, no. <laughs> what does it symbolize? Yeah. Not calling out but my. I think that's one of the
0: really cool things teacher. about this fandom is that the books have been out for so long now, and they mean so many different things to everybody. Like, depending on who you are and what your background is, you might something might resonate with you that wouldn't resonate with somebody else, or you may read something a different way. And that's one of the really cool things is that we can have these conversations about what does this mean to you, but what does it mean to you? instead i think it's a really fun yeah. way to look at them and and i think it's to gonna see what they need to everybody
1: and i think it's gonna come across a lot with the way you and i view these books um but as long as we don't have as big as argument as we had over how you pronounce mr brunner and nancy it my part
0: every single time
1: i say it i thought it was brunner i i could have sworn mother, in the audiobooks my it was mother brunner. who
0: read these books to me every night said Brunner.
1: You can say Brunner. I'll say Brunner. We'll find out who's right one day. I right, well, uh, well, this yes, was... Let us
0: know what you think it actually is. Yes,
1: please let us know what you think it is. Um, I don't know how, but we'll figure out how. We'll figure it out. Um, but this was the first episode of We Accidentally Vaporized Your Podcast. That was Lachlan.
0: That's Lauren. Thanks. And stay tuned next time when we talk about Chapter 2. Three old ladies knit the socks of death.
1: Yes. Thank you so much. Bye.
0: Hi, everyone. It's Lachlan again. Thanks for listening to another episode of We Accidentally Vaporized Our Podcast. Lauren told me to tell you to follow our one and only social media account at Accidentally Pod on Instagram to get updates about when we post a new episode, to learn more about Lauren and I, and anything else we might come up with. See you there soon.